Spin Run, the RPG talk show podcast. Welcome back to Drink Spin Run, the tabletop RPG talk show podcast. Yes, I got it all out. All right. And today I am here with my lovely co-host, Don Stroud. Don, Welcome. take a bow. Thank you. I didn't say who I was. That's bad form. Um, I'm Adam Miskevich, and with us tonight are our fantastic self-publishing guests, uh, Mr. Stephen Newton of Thick Skull Adventures. Thank you for having me. Always, always a pleasure. And Mr. Tim Callahan, uh, what's the name? It's Moon Dice, right? Is that the name of your company? Yeah, Moon Dice Games, the publishing empire. I, right. I never remember the company, I gotta admit. It was the Crawl Jammer, you know, because that's so, like, in-your-face awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, as far as, the, uh, as far as my town is concerned, it's not an actual company, so don't, don't turn that's me That's right. <laughs> Nor is Thick Skull Adventures, for that matter. Yeah, neither <laughs> is Kick-Assistant Ministry of Tourism, but we don't need to talk about that. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll have another episode about the legal matters of being a self-publisher <laughs> when we're all in jail. Uh, <laughs> for tax evasion. Um, anyway, uh, I, I, I'm i going to... This is a little mea culpa to everybody who's listening to this. Um it was my job to create some kind of like outline or structure for this whole thing, for because that's what I do. It's my job. That's my part of the whole podcasting thing is find guests yeah. and figure out what we're talking about and how. Uh, and I didn't really do that other than figure out what you know. The what is self publishing, um, and I think part of that is because as a self publisher myself, uh, I kind of I will admit to everybody I just kind of do what makes sense, you know. Um, but I think that along with self-publishing, there's a couple of things you really got to think about. Um, how are you publishing the material? Are you publishing it in print? Are you publishing it in PDF? Um, how are you selling it to people? You know, do you have a store on your website? Do you use another third-party store? Do you, um, like, do you have some kind of, you know, third-party mechanism for selling through your site? Stuff like that. Um, there's there's a lot of weird shit that goes along with being a self-publisher that isn't actually about publishing. It's about the selling of the stuff that you publish, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. um, right. And and that's the hard part. That's the hard part. So And the not-as-fun part. I want to talk about the fun part first. <laughs> I yeah. want to talk about the actual publishing, like the writing and what, the publishing. And all what that. is the fun part of self-publishing? I'm just took I took a journalism class, so I'm just you know I'm breaking it down. <laughs> oh, let's do it. Okay, talk. Uh, who are you asking? Don't ask I'm me. I'm asking my panel. Ask someone else. I'm asking. Let me start with Stephen Newton. What is the fun part? Is it the fame? Is it the glory? Is it the riches? It's the hookers and blow. That's right, the hookers and blow. <laughs> um, <laughs> the comped trip to Vegas and the posse. The hooker. Uh, and the. the fun part is probably um there's some famous quote out there that i can't quote or that i can't remember who said it but it's basically i hate writing but i love having written so for me the the favorite part is actually holding finished product in hand to actually say you know because i think what you'll get to when you talk to your panel of guests is 
it's a shitload more work than it looks like probably from the outside when you've got a you know 24 page booklet of giant beavers right um like <laughs> the layout the art the the editing the you know the proofreading the all the 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 hundreds of details to to get it through the machine and get it out the door and get it in people's hands it's that is not the fun part. So actually, when you actually have it, and you, and actually even maybe more so, is when you see a, a a review online that says, "Hey, I got that, and it was pretty cool." That's to me, that's the the most rewarding part of the experience. That's a great answer. Well, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, because all that other well, stuff sucks. Getting up, to hold that. Right. Writing, writing on the coattails of that, though, I am eagerly awaiting your twenty-four page treatise on giant beavers. <laughs> I'm. Eagerly looking forward to this. That's I'm right. very excited. I, I'm going to kickstart it. I'm in. Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> a tale of question. 24 beavers, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Those damn beavers. Tim. Same yes. question. Tell us, tell us what is the fun? For me, the fun is in the creating. Uh, not so much the finishing of the product. I don't even necessarily love having the finished product in my hand. That's okay. Uh, I like creating it. I like coming up with the ideas. I like getting it down on paper. I like having the, the rough draft of the thing or the outline. I tend to get bored about 75% of the way through a project. And so I'm like, oh, I guess I got to finish this and get this out. Uh, but the creation of it is a lot more fun than other writing I've done. Uh, when I when I wrote for various websites or magazines, I was mostly commenting on other people's work. So mm-hmm. creating something of my own that I know will eventually be out there is much more satisfying. So I like that. And I do like – I don't really care about the reviews so much. It's nice. I haven't had a ton, so I haven't had a lot of experience like with positive or negative reviews. But I do love when I hear someone I don't know is playing Crawljammer. Someone just mentions that they're starting a crawl jammer campaign. I think that is awesome. Mm-hmm. I love that yeah. that I have inspired people to play games. That's what I love about self-publishing. Awesome. Mm. Yeah. I'm gonna. Yeah. I mean, that's probably my answer. That's why you've never seen anything out there by Don Stroud because <laughs> he seriously has like, like 17 projects, like three quarters oh, yeah. in the hamper, and he just yeah, never yeah. just can't. I finish never it. finish. Yeah. I never you like. You should just give the, them to me, and sucks. I'll finish them for you. All right, we'll do that. You can, and we'll have, wait, can I do that too? You can be my. Oh, yeah, you want to sure. give them stuff to me, and I'll finish it. Is that what oh, you want to do? Great. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'm happy I to work finishing with you guys. things. I I will I like tell you. I am things. I'm the rare guy. I love the mechanical process. You know, I, um, I will admit that I second guess myself way too much in the uh, production, you know, because I think I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, which is not reflected in my work. Uh, (laughs) Because like, I, 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 I admit that I procrastinate a bit because I'm intimidated by the shit that I know I can fucking do. You know what I mean? Like, I know I can make it way better than it's actually going to be. But when it comes down to actually making a thing, I just get really excited about the, the, the physical process of layout and putting this on that page. The first issue of Metal Gods of ur took two months longer to get out than I wanted it to because I spent that time organizing the pages of Edgar's Roll All the Dice charts. You know, yeah. like I, I like different sizes, different. I just moved everything around for so long and I eventually said, 
somebody fucking help me because I'm gonna go. I'm gonna drive myself nuts doing this. And uh, thankfully, I I have amazing collaborators. Um, Wayne Snyder, just like here, give it to me. I'll draw art in the margins. Yeah. Great, that's perfect. Do it. You know, uh, Don and I have been working on this Nova Star thing for a long time, and at this point, it's kind of taken on a, don doesn't know this but it's taken on a life of its own and it's like <laughs> ballooned up beyond the point that it was in the first place um james mcgeorge he did his uh black sun death crawl i could have had him on this show too hmm. uh, he would have been swearing a lot it would have been fun uh but he his uh black sun death crawl kind of uh took over a good chunk of my life too with uh working on the second printing of that and you know getting that out to people which it's still not out to people but you know um it's uh it's been a fun ride uh i forgot the point that i was making what's the fun part for me yeah is the as i like like figuring out the stupid little like what how is it more profit is it more profitable to sell things through rpg now or gumroad is it more profitable to do things you know i mean and i hate to use the word profit because we're not here for profit but we are here for like enough money to like pay for what we're doing you know mm, yeah. but like uh-huh. the business part is fun for me and i know that's weird because apparently nobody else likes it it's not the most fun i'd say that the absolute best part for me is when i have something done that i can honestly look at and say nobody else would have done this yeah you know this is a product of the people who made it and that is it like nobody else would have created this thing nice Son? yeah um, lead us, so, lead us, my friend. You're in charge. So these are the questions I had, and I'm glad that Steven is here um, because I was breaking it down. Like, how do people self-publish in this day and age? And I was like, well, they can just use their own money and print up stuff. They can use Kickstarter, which I don't know if any of you guys here have used Kickstarter for anything. Not yet. Um, no. I published nope. a card game on it. And it's stressful. It's horrible. I yeah. So I um, I have avoided to date Kickstarter. Um, and and if I were to use it, I would want the product like ninety percent done, ninety five percent done. I would I would probably. And no. then I'm not creative enough of like coming up with stretch goals. So it would probably be something like, if I get if I raise five hundred bucks, and I'll get so and so to do the cover art. Otherwise, I'm drawing it. Um. <laughs> and then and then it's really just a pre-order system, right? It's like a dare. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> if I don't sell this much, this is how shitty the cover's going to look, guys. That's right. Yeah. I could do the beavers or someone else could. So, <laughs> so I actually oh, so I, I have a website, right? So one of the things we'll probably talk about is um you know, it's the 4Ps, right? The marketing thing. You have to at some point yeah. you got to promote the product and you got to get a web presence out there and you got to give people a landing page of where to go find it but other than uh the the pictures of my uh graphic designer cat because she's a super babe um the (laughs) the most popular thing on i wrote a blog about three years ago a blog article which was oh so you want to write an rpg adventure here's what you probably want to think about um and, and it's due for some updates but apparently there's a lot of people looking for this kind of guidance so your show's very timely yeah, your, your audience right. wants to know. Um, Let's hear it. So, um, I mean, so the the big ones I would, and I'm I'm going blind, right? I should have probably studied for this on my way in. Um, 
uh, obviously the story, right? So you're going to, you're going to want to write the thing. You're going to want to have ideas. You're going to want to outline and do all that. Um, for me, it's then, so, so that's just a concept, right? And then you're, you're going to assume that you're going to, so you're self-publishing. This is not about I'm selling it to someone else. So self-publishing. So then you're, you're talking about how am I going to get it to, is this something that I want to try to uh, get on RPG now? Is this something I'm going to print? Because there's different decisions about layout that you're going to have to start making there. So you should have a good idea about that. Um, I screwed up big time in, in the first thing I did because I did all the maps in color. And then when they went to black and white, they all just looked like this big smear of gray. It was really bad. Um, there was, uh, I, I made a bunch of screw ups in terms of placement of art. So I, I got a bunch of art pieces early and then they didn't fit into the book and I had to start moving things around and the pages didn't lay out right. So now when I do it, I kind of, I have ideas for the art I want to put in it and then I'll write it and I'll start doing a layout and it's like, okay, so I've got time for a half page here or a room for a half page here and room for something else there. Um, the industry, you know, so what's changing, um, at least is, is these digest formats becoming more popular, right? So there was, there was that that was to consider because back when I was doing it, I just assumed everybody was going to be doing a hard copy, but now a lot of people are doing it on e-devices and whatnot. So you can optimize for things like iPads or even Kindles. I mean, well, clearly you mentioned digest format, but you know, uh, there's, there's more people who are moving towards that. And even in print product, you know, um, we see like lamentations, you know, we see James like, you know, seriously, you know, that's what he does. He does, you know, what is a five over there, but you know, it's effectively digest size here. You know, that's everything Tim's done has been in, you know, the same, you know, rough format. Me too. You know, and Mm. even the stuff that I have going forward, that's the size that I like because it's the size I can take with me places, you know? Um, and I do think that's, it's a little bit indicative of where the, you know, the games community is going as well as like, like, you know, because it's the, you know, I'm going to say somebody who's like just into first edition, you know, and they play with orcs and trolls and shit like that. They're not going to buy shit that I make. That's okay, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the. There are small publishers who fit your niche. I mean, Joe Browning of uh, Expeditions Retreat. He's doing the shit that you're going to enjoy. Do that. Um, Rob Kuntz is uh, is publishing stuff. That's good. <laughs> do that. You know, that's cool. You know, you're. You know, I'm not. I'm not your publisher. You know. Yeah. Um, you're not my customer. That's okay. Um, but you know, and I think there's a little bit more overlap with like Raggi's, you know, customer than you know than. Brownings, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. Yeah, and I think so. it's true. I mean, going to going to the conventions now. If you see, I mean, all the people that are doing conventions, like you know, Dak and John Hershberger and all those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, you you look at their booths, and it's just like a big pile of these digest format things. So you're you're absolutely right. The industry, I think, is going there in in a big way. I mean, even Goodman Games is doing a bunch of reprints and that stuff as well. So yeah. Uh- I think it's important to know that yeah. it's reprints that are going into that size. I mean, yes, there's True. some original stuff. Like Terry Olson just had the Rock Awakens, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, right. There's some new stuff. And, and didn't and, you, and did, didn't think, you do something in digest size? No, but I assume I'm, I'm doing the Christmas module, so that'll be that size. And yeah. I assume the, ho- right. the Halloween module will also be digest size, I'm guessing. Yeah, I haven't seen the layout so, yet. Yeah. So, um, but I worked at the Goodman booth at Gen Con, and so I got a, a kind of a different perspective on what people are interested in, at least at the convention. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's not surprising, but it was very unusual for someone who was just checking out the regular size stuff to also look at the zines. 
Really? Like you were either there for the third party stuff, you were either there for the zines or the stuff on the other side of the booth, which was like the thick skull stuff and some other full sized adventures. Um, or, or you were there for the regular DCC stuff. It, there wasn't a ton of overlap in the kind of average customers. Really? So it se- yeah, it seems like there's a, a committed group who really likes that that stuff that is a different size and maybe is a little bit more personal and, and more self-expressive. And so you have kind of those zine customers, which isn't surprising because I come from a comic book background. Yeah. If you go to a comic con. There's the people who like the superhero stuff, and there's people who like the independent comics. And not, yeah, right. I'm not talking about image being independent. I'm talking about actual like self-published independent comics. Right. Um, and there's not a ton of crossover. You're either into the, the handmade stuff or you're into the mass market stuff. And it's kind of two different cultures. There's some, we overlap. I mean, guys like us overlap, but it's not the norm, I don't think. Yeah. I would say one of the um, – if there's any like consistent complaint I hear about is because I typically just because I'm lazy, I'll publish a PDF before I get the print because I have to do all the printing and all that. And people are really nasty about where's the print product. It's like, you know, PDFs are not for me. So I think there is a, a camp of people that if, if you are going to self-publish, I would say try to figure out a way to make sure that your stuff can get into print either by doing it yourself or print on demand or Lulu or something. So that actually brings up a point I wanted to talk about, which is, you know, print on demand. You know, that seems like the easy way for a lot of folks to get into print. And especially with like the, the, like, yeah, there are like things like Superior where I can, you know, technically print on demand, you know, 200 copies of a thing and I've got it. But that's, you know, that's only print on demand when you think, consider like, you know, the, the mass market of a normal printer, you know, like how many copies there you, bless you, little man. But uh, the the stuff that they're norm they're used to printing like thousands of things, you know. Yeah. But if I only want two hundred copies of a thing because that's all I'm gonna fucking sell, you know, like I'm not gonna I'm I, I'm not going to necessarily put that up on, you know, RPG now to have them sell a copy of it, whatever, yeah, right. you know. Like I might want to I, I might want to do that myself. Um, and it seems like there there is a degree to which you know there's a little bit of a bifurcation of like of that market. There's plenty of people who are doing good stuff and sending it straight to print on demand sources to just be yep. you know printed. Some of my favorite stuff that's out there right now. If you look at Dave McGrogan's yep. uh, um, uh, Yoon Suen, which Don still has, and I need to get that back. Uh, <laughs> but that's my favorite RPG product that's come out this year. That mm. thing is freaking beautiful. Um, you know, you look at uh, you look at White Star, right? Which finally is in print via uh, print on demand, but it's in print. Uh, it's o- that's the only way you can get it. You can't go to a convention and go to a booth and buy it. And to me, that's kind of like I don't know. I don't want to go that route. I think I'm a little more old school, and I, I I'm with those guys that Stephen's mentioning. You know, yeah, I want it in print. Of course, I want it in print, and I'm not going to buy it in PDF until I know I can get it in print as well. And I think a lot of that has to do with the way that people bundle it. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see mm-hmm. things bundled the other way. You know, where if I know I can get it in print or in PDF, I'm going to pay X amount in PDF. I want to know that I can have that amount forwarded towards a print product. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. So, which is what. Um, um, Spawn did right. He said yes. Yep. James yeah. definitely yeah. did that. Um, Axe does that to this day. You know. Oh really? Yeah. Um, if you buy the 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 PDF of Axe Adventure Conqueror King, um, you get a coupon in there for ten dollars. It's co- it's a ten dollar cost for the for the PDF. You, they, they give you ten dollars off the print product, or at least maybe they. I don't know. Maybe they do don't do that anymore. But they did it for a long time. Mm. You know. Right. And that's that was an incredibly successful little gambit. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
well, I think so, so that gets into a lot of pros and cons, right? Of like, um, and I don't know is, is, how, you know, the White Star guys do it. Maybe they're working completely through RPG now, but that gets into the right. To, if if you're going to print and then distribute stuff, then you have to all the logistics. I mean, there's pros. It's like, yeah, I wanted to see it on shelves and I wanted it at conventions, but then you have to get it to a distributor that's going to get it there. Or you have to right. play that role, right? Um, and then if you have a problem with like guys in Europe, like how do I get it here in Australia or something like that? So there's there's problems with that that a print on demand of something like RPG Now probably gets around. Yeah. So you're you're mm. picking, you know, okay, what what do I feel better about? And then you know, because I don't have the skills to set up, well, I don't have the time to set up like a storefront. So like the black powder black magic guys can create bundles and whatnot because they've got yeah. their own thing as opposed to just using other sites. So they can probably do more with like bundles and whatnot that way. That's what we need. We need like our own version of Indie Press Revolution for yeah. guys who don't want to be on Indie Press Revolution. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, my my big uh, issue is I I just uh I think that first of all I I think the uh the thing works the other way, which is that there's also a ton of people who hassle me when I'm slow on getting a PDF out, mm. and they're like, "Where's that PDF copy?" And so I think there's there's both sides. I think you do need to have both available True. at least to meet the demands of of your customers. But I, I kind of am with Adam, if I understand what you're saying, that I'm not, right now, I'm not very interested in print on demand. I like the kind of, I like having a print run mm -hmm. and I like having it available in PDF, but I like the print run to be kind of an exclusive thing. And maybe I'll do another printing yeah. mm -hmm. and maybe eventually I'll go to print on demand for things. But I like the, the printing to be something that is possibly something that no longer exists at some point at some point in the future there will be only x number of crawl jammers in the world and that's it and, and i've got i feel that them. way yeah <laughs> and i feel that way about other stuff too if you think about um i'm trying to think of other examples of things that are back in print and it, it kind of loses its charm to me it becomes mm. less interesting even with comics things that have been reprinted that were once only available in, in back issue bins if you dug deep enough and now they're available, and it's like eh, it's not as interesting anymore once it's available. Uh, and that's like that's not good business sense. You obviously want to keep things out there to keep things selling. But I am at this point, I am like five percent interested in the business of the whole thing, right. and I'm much more interested in just creating content. And the business is just something that I have to do because that's the way people can read my stuff. But I I don't think about profit margins. I I started using one bookshelf to sell PDFs just because people wanted PDFs. Mm -hmm. And I, I was sick of getting emails from people when I was selling PDFs on my blog. I was sick of people. Email it was just a hassle. I had to go, okay, I'll send you the file. Like it just was annoying. So I just automated it through one bookshelf. And it was really just a matter of convenience rather than any kind of attempt at profit. I will say that I've been using, uh, for the Black Sun Deathcrawl, I used uh, um, uh, Gumroad exclusively. Um because but part of that's because I'm I don't own it you know it's not it's something yep. that I'm 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 basically the fulfiller for it you know I'm I'm not the I'm just the distributor of BSDC but I'm not the I'm not the publisher or the writer and I have no rights at all you know basically I get twenty percent that's it um, and I uh, you know it's Roy's rates basically is what I get and uh, the guys who you know I'm sure Tim and Steven know what I'm talking about when I say Roy rates. Uh, Roy uh, Snyder, for those of you not who do not know, he is a fucking saint and an awesome guy, and uh, very pleased that he you know works as hard as he does for his third party publishers. You know, yeah. um, so um, the uh, I use Gumroad 
because it lets me distribute a PDF with a physical product, you know, and it doesn't have to be drive through RPG or one bookshelf or whatever we want to call it. And recently there was a bit of a dust up with uh, a number of publishers and, you know, drive through RPG, one bookshelf, whatever, um, that got to be pretty irritating for some of us. Um, Tim, I know you've been kind of chomping at the bit to talk about this <laughs> issue, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna open it up to you, man. Um, All right. This this is this is possibly the changing face of of the way that we distribute RPGs right now, um, at least in right. PDF format. What, what do you What do you got to say here? Talk to me about this. So I guess we should provide some context. I think most people know, but just really quickly, uh, there was a. a a game, an adventure called Tournament of Rapists, which was for Pathfinder. It went up on one bookshelf as a PDF product. Immediately, people were freaking out, and, and they were saying, we're going to pull all our own products off one bookshelf, off RPG Now, because Tournament of Rapists is so offensive. And it ended up uh, ended up that the company that published Tournament of Rapists pulled their own product off. And I assume the people behind one bookshelf, I don't know any of them personally, I assume they're just trying to figure out how to manage this system that they have ended up creating. I mean, they're kind of a monopoly in this, in this area. They're, they're by far the biggest distributor of, of PDF RPG material. It's so convenient. It's so easy. It's a one-stop shopping for a lot of people. And now they're in the situation where they have to make different factions happy and there will be different factions and different points of view. And my perspective on it is I Hear the people complaining that something like Tournament of Rapists, which, as far as I know, is an abhorrent product. It sounds like a terrible idea. The whole thing seems like a disgusting product. But the people freaking out about it that I've seen keep freaking out because they say, oh, this is why RPGs are not welcoming to women, and this is what's wrong with the RPG industry. And I don't think that's it at all. I think there's something else that's deeper that's a problem in the RPG industry. And I think one bookshelf is just a symptom of that. And I think the overreaction to certain products being posted on there is not the problem. I think those kind of products will have their fans and will have their detractors. But I don't think freaking out about a product being available helps the cause in any way. I think the more devious insidious problem to be honest is sometimes guys like us in this podcast joking around in a sexist way but let me go back to this order 66 thing i mentioned last episode order 66 is a fantasy flight house organ even though they're not officially sponsored by fantasy flight but they talk about the star wars role-playing game and so since i was running the star wars rpg I decided to listen to Order 66, and they have, like, Sam Witwer, who's this big famous actor who's a, a role-playing guy who seems like a really great, smart guy. And whenever he's on, he says brilliant, insightful stuff. But they have the regular hosts, and the regular hosts will be fine and will be really, you know, talking about the rules and, and the ins and outs of the system. But then they'll say stuff, and they've only said this when female guests are on, because I've listened to, like... 15 episodes, and this has only happened when female guests are on, they'll say stuff like, oh, I saw that picture of that character in the book and I wanted to bang her. Or they'll say things like, that skill, that skill gives me a boner. They'll say things like that. And to me, that kind of deep entrenched sexism is far more insidious and far more exclusionary than the fact that some jerks 
created a product that is potentially offensive to anyone who would bother to buy it. I, That's my rant. I cannot agree with you more. Um, and this is odd because you you will remember from last episode that I expected to completely <laughs> disagree with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I don't know what that was based on. I think it was just uh, you know more wishful thinking than anything else. We were hoping, yeah, you, yeah. Like we yet to have si- to find something that we seriously disagree with uh, or de- with, disagree with each other on. So, um, I you know I'm with you completely. It's uh, there are cultural issues that you know like one product can't bear to scratch. I think that the 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 I think that both sides of that argument, both the uh, like the oh they're censoring us and oh how dare they do this dirty thing, you know, both of those sides are the victims because uh, like the guy who the the right the author of that product is the guy who decided on the name. He's the guy who wrote right. the ad copy for it, and it is just a supplement. But if you read the ad copy for that thing, which you can't anymore because it's off RPG now. It did not read like a supplement. It read like this is an entire fucking game, and this is what you're going to play. You're going to play a rapist, and you're going to rape things, and that's your game. You know, so it was played up in this incredibly incendiary way that uh, yep. was designed to create this fault line. You know, where there's going to be folks on one side, folks on another, and uh, it it the the downside. Everybody loses as a result of this guy sp- saying things in an incredibly you know sensationalist manner. Uh, because now we have this bullshit policy from Steve Week from uh, from RPG Now that says we're going to put this little offensive button, and the minute you push this you know offensive content button, the thing gets yanked from RPG Now. Here's the shit: you had a product called Tournament of Rapists on your site that completely misrepresented itself as to what it was, right? It doesn't matter what it actually was because whether I want to buy a thing or not should be based on the copy that's on your site, you know. Uh, this thing was completely, you know, misrepresented and described as a thing I would never fucking read. Uh, that would actually make me slightly offended. But the, the the thing is, is that the way that Steve Week and OBS deal, dealt with it was completely reasonable. They talked to the publisher. The publisher talked to the writer. Then they all decided, you know what, we should probably not have this on OBS anymore. And what gets me is that the the policy decision that Week makes about OBS after this is the thing that worked, that just worked in this offensive situation, we're going to not do that anymore. We're going to do something else that has not been proven to work. And, you know, you see what I'm saying? I think, though, they did clarify. Yeah. My understanding of the policy is that there are layers, and it's not anybody pushes a button. First of all, if you're a publisher, you can't even flag something as inappropriate. Okay, cool. So we can't flag each other's stuff. Uh, and that it will, actually, yeah. it, will, <laughs> it will flag it. It will flag it to a human person who will do a cursory review, and if that person thinks it needs to go deeper, they'll bring it to another level, but it will not actually be pulled until they do a full personal really? review okay. of the product. That's, yeah, That's good. That's I my read... understanding, and that seems completely yeah. reasonable. What yeah. doesn't seem reasonable, I don't understand... I don't understand what's wrong with being offended. That's what I don't understand. Yeah. Why yeah. are people, if you're offended, why is it your right to freak out about it? So what? It's offensive. So don't read it. I don't understand why it hurts <laughs> you if there's an offensive thing in the world. I just don't understand that part of it. I think my my uh, reaction when I saw that this was up was not like, oh, shit, I should tell somebody. It was, uh, eh, this isn't going to be up here for very long, you know? <laughs> because and it wasn't you know it was gone the next day it wasn't yeah so what are you gonna do 
Meh. All right. So I didn't. Steven. I I, I didn't realize. Are, are we done talking about that? Because I didn't realize um, one bookshelf had basically a uh, an an adult only section, for lack of a better word. You know. Yeah, they have an eighteen plus right. section. You know, uh, which is smart. Right. I think you're yeah. safe, Stephen. That kind of solves the problem entirely, doesn't it? It really does. I, I don't know why. Why? Well, so okay, I okay. Put it behind that. I, wall. I think there is. There's going to be some stuff that's like you know. It's like. As a, as a publisher, it's like I am not going to have this on my site. You know, there there are some taboo subjects where, if someone's doing a game called kitty porn, you know, that's not going to fly no matter what's going to happen. So they're going to have to have some sort of policy. And I think what this did is right. codify the policy of like, here's what's going to here's what's going to flag the attention, and here's what's going to get you yanked. Right. So I I do believe that what they came up with was entirely reasonable. Um, but what I'm hoping, and, and, and I think what will be interesting is if we come back a year from now and find out how many, how many titles actually did get yanked was what makes it to that threshold where it's like, okay, that's not going to be allowed. You know, was it, you know, right. 50 titles or was it just like the one? Well, has anybody heard of any titles being yanked since then? Because I haven't, you know, I, but it, there have I mean, never been any titles yanked there. The only thing that has ever come down are when the author themselves have chosen to take things down. Right. Well, there was that even one... that card game, really, the Gamergate card game. Yep, really. They they mentioned that in the in the email to publishers. They say that there has never been anything that's been yanked. In every case, the publisher has agreed to take it down. Right. That's mm-hmm. funny because James Bessero doesn't make it sound that way, like that. I mean, and, and you know, granted, he's a different story altogether. You know, he's a guy who who exists on, you know, being incendiary. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. his shtick. That's okay. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess I think my my whole take on the OBS thing is I wish there was a better option. You know what I mean? Because it's uh, I mean, it's not a bad option and it is like a de facto marketplace. And if you have your stuff on OBS, it's it's open to everybody. You know, I mean, there's there's I don't know a single gamer who doesn't have an OBS account unless they like have no idea. You know, unless they're really new to the hobby or you know not that committed or something like that. But everybody who you know has been in the hobby for a while has an OBS account, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just not fun. But but I, but I think any if, if there was another option, the mm-hmm. other option would have the same problem. Yeah. that's just the reality of of dealing in a, an open marketplace where there's well, potential I, for any kind of controversy. However, I, I think that um, the advantage that the consumer would have in having another option is that there is now competition. Because OBS exists because competitors, a com- one competitor bought its competitor, you know, like they right, they right. bought each other out, and so now it's just it is one bookshelf that is what you shall have, you know, <laughs> right, uh, right, right. and that's that, that's kind of a bummer, man. Like I would far rather have had the old dichotomy between drive through and RPG now, and you make your choice as to which you know which cart to tire horse to, and I was fine with that. Um, this. I don't know. I tend to be suspicious of, you know, monopolies and shit like that, but that's me. Um, that's fair. <laughs> that's, that's going to Adam's, you know, like, like anarcho-libertarian views, which are not very libertarian. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's, let's talk about actual publishing. All right. All right. How do you decide what you're going to make? Like, like what call, like, how, how, I mean, where, where do you decide, like, like I'm, this is a idea that I've got. I'm going to see it all the way through. We'll start with That's Tim. 
Who are you? Yeah, we'll start with Tim. Good job, Steve. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, for me, um, it's almost always out of the games I am playing. So mm-hmm. I'm putting something together for a home That's game or for something I want to run for a home game. And then I say, this is something that I could actually develop and turn into something and put it out there in the world. Uh, the only exception to that is when I'm doing work for hire and someone says, hey, do this thing. And so what, what might happen there is I might say, yeah, that sounds like a great idea, but I've actually got three other ideas that are kind of parallel to that. And so having one work for hire gig actually inspires me to go off and do two separate things. That happened with um, this summer. So Advent of the Avalanche Lords is my Goodman Games winter module. But a few other things that I pitched to Joseph when he asked for ideas ended up becoming games I also ran this summer. And one of them will be um, the Nightmare Beast module that I will eventually self-publish over the next six months or so, uh, which is based kind of in this dream world. And it doesn't have any Christmas elements at all because I went in a completely different direction. But it, it started with that spark. And then I play tested it and ran it. And then it became something that I felt could go past that 75% rate and actually get to 100% completion. So I, because I have the luxury of this not being anywhere close to part of my day job, uh, this is totally just a side hobby at this point. Um, I just publish whatever I feel like it. That's totally how I do it. Great. Steven, you're up to bat. Do it. So um, <laughs> for me, it's 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 uh, what's interesting. So um, as I mentioned, these things are a shitload of work. So what ends up happening is you're going to invest hundreds of hours uh, getting these things out the door. At least I am because I write slow and I do things slow. Um, you're a little you're a little I mean, in, in our pre- previous conversations and how you write, too, you're like you're like test everything a thousand times before, you know. Like I know you're very, very much about the playtesting process. Yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't just whip stuff out there. But even the writing process itself can take, uh, you know, a, a really long time. So I've been writing, you know, Larvik two, Frogs two. That's like both of those modules have, you know, will end in a sequel module, and, awesome. you know, I, I. I've been writing that thing for like three years now and every, and I get through it. And I'm like, mm, this is working. This is not working. And then it's like, but you know, what would be cool is an homage model to the giants or, you know, what would be cool is such and such. I'll just whip that one out. And so you have to, or at least what I do is I follow what's inspiring me at any given point. So it'll be like, Oh yeah. Um, and that, that drives and I will put other things aside. And then, you know, I try to finish, I try to get, and, and I've got a pretty good, the exception of the larvic two thing i've got a pretty good track record of once i start doing something i can see it through um there are some exceptions to that to like like what tim was saying so the um the tournament adventures you know hypercube of might and uh death by nexus was hey would you like to contribute some of that so that becomes a, a little bit of a different that's that's more like yeah i think i could contribute something here and, and make something interesting but it, it feels different than the things i publish on my own i had a good time working with you on the the hypercube stuff that yeah was, that was fun uh it you was, had brains and I, jars I like, man that was that was that was a highlight i had to i had to have brains and jars how do you do appendix n without brains and jars exactly and you know like the the thing i was handed was like here can you do this yeah let's make it even cooler than what you said you know uh but I, what i liked about you know you're 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 a fun person to work with because you're like hey do we really need this it's like no, we don't really need that. I thought it was fun, but you know, like in retrospect, the the thing that I had that you you took out, you know, 
very much complicated things and blah 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 i don't know i have a hard time doing things simply uh which i think is why the zine thing has been working out pretty well well you can make a director's cut of that room at some point you know oh that's a good idea yeah we should pitch that to joe who'd be like hey joe i would love the director's cut of the hypercube of mint and you know yeah, because there was something else going on in that room that you know made things even weirder. So, so I got I uh, got totally with uh, was it it was Hypercube, right? So, um, I don't want to give any spoilers of it, but it you know it was a different orifice that those golems were coming out of in the first draft, and that got all right. Yeah, that was it. Got cut. That got get, cut. <laughs> did it get censored or did it get cut? It's... It was. You need to make this for a different audience. You have to assume you've got younger <laughs> players. It's like okay, then. nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Right. I'm very very pleased with that data. That's great. <laughs> <Right. laughs> There's yeah. always an editor somewhere. All right. So uh, Don, what do you got for us next? Oh my goodness! What do I have for you next? I was going to save this to the end, though. Hmm. Are you sure? Well, like, why do people who self-publish think that they're so creative and juicy that they need to self-publish? I'm sure there's <laughs> somebody the out there. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> no, that's a like, good question. I, I don't think who, I'm who juicy. Who are we? Who are we are you to self-publish? About? Yeah. Is that well, what I you're saying? Like, how you dare worthy. we self-publish? Here's the shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> look at the stuff that's on the shelf out there, right? Like, yeah, look at yeah, the boring ass, you know, like fucking horde of Tiamat bullshit. You know, like that's the <laughs> shit that's going over in the public sphere. Can you live with that? Can you accept that as good enough? <laughs> if you can, fuck off. You do not belong in in, in, in talking to me ever again. No, you know, that's just go like, read wow. your Forgotten Realms box set and, and, and don't worry shove about it. it up your ass you know because it's it's uh, like that is no but i think shit. let, let <laughs> me let me rephrase that question because i think that is a yeah. really good question adam why did you start self-publishing though what was the reason that you said this is the moment when i will begin to self-publish because you didn't before and then all of a sudden yeah. you started uh i like fucking making stuff man uh like it's 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 about like the it's about creating a thing you know and yes man i'm sorry this okay so i've had my son here you guys have noticed i'm sure because i've said god bless you to him and everything so i'm just showing him off for a second yeah but uh baby yeah he is a baby um yeah uh anyway so um (laughs) adam i hate to break it to you but he looks a lot like me <laughs> it's the hairline. It's the hairline that looks just like yours. That's what it is. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. She's yeah. <laughs> just staring at the screen. <laughs> so um I yeah, that's a great question. Like at what point do you decide, you know, hey, I'm gonna actually let's let's finish let's do something with this, right? And um I think I had been blogging for a while, you know, and uh, I don't want to say that I was a successful blogger because that's that's a lie. You know, Tim, you've actually made money blogging. Um, so uh, I have. I can't say that I was ever successful. Like I've made money way successful. more money blogging than I have from role playing games. Yeah, I, nah, no, no. Um, so uh, you know, I had people paying attention to what I was what I was talking about, and I was like, oh well, you know, if they like this, they might like this other stuff. And then I was talking to Wayne. I was like, hey what about 
you know, like, you know, this is stuff's moving in a direction. He's like, he, we should do a zine. We got to do this. We got to publish it. So a lot of it came from Wayne, like being like, we should make a thing. And um, uh, Wayne is my muse. He really, <laughs> in many ways. Uh, and, and you couldn't really hope for a better one. You know, he's like a uh-huh. weird little ball of beardy energy, you know, uh, which yeah. is fantastic, you know. Um, and a lot of it comes from having awesome collaborators who I love working with. Uh, Steven has something coming up in Metal Gods 4 whenever that comes out. Uh, you know, that was fun to write. Uh, I am doing the art for that. I oh, don't yeah? know if I've told yeah. you that. Ooh. I myself am doing the art for that. Uh, nice. So um, I'm very pleased with where it's turning or, or where it's going. Well, so that, I mean, yeah. so that, that project, right? That was a total, I love what they're doing. I've got a great idea. I, I want to put that on paper. That was a total... Yeah. You know, I'm going to interrupt what I'm doing. Total interrupt. You know, the creative energy is flowing. I got to, I got to make that happen. So, yeah, that's a prime example. Well, and I think that's the thing, right? Like we, we, we make what we make when we've, when you know, it's upon us. You know, yeah. the spirit descends upon us and makes us create the thing. You know, mm-hmm. that's 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 how it works for me, at least. And um, you know, it sounds like that's true of several of our guests here. Uh, <laughs> that's that's been a little bit of the reason why like the the Nova Scream thing has been ballooning is because I've been like Star Wars is coming out. Uh, I've been doing a lot of like Warhammery stuff. There's all this stuff that's like pushing me towards the Nova Scream uh, aesthetic that Don and I established, and so now I've, it's been going nuts in my brain and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So you know what started off as what was going to be like a 24 page zine is probably going to be a 48-page, 64-page, you know, like, full publication, you know? Wow. Um, Don, nice. this is the first Don's hearing of that, so... Uh, I love it. Yeah. I love it, too. It's actually, Let's it, get out yeah, it. It's going to be a thing, um, and there's been a lot of writing going on with that. So, uh, because I can't stop, you know? Um, I've not been publishing on my blog very much because I've been writing, you know? Or this little man, you know? It's been one or the other. It's not been much bloggy. So, meh. That's what I got. So uh, let me follow up with Stephen. Stephen, why did yeah. you start self-publishing? So it was uh, a similar. I do. I uh, and I apologize if I've told this story before. It's I, I do a lot of writing at work, and it was like, you know, the work I do at work is to keep my kids fed and 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 um, roof over their head and whatnot, but gaming was going to and this is going to sound really narcissistic it's it was i wanted to be immortal right this you know it's like it's like what you were saying at some point there will only be 200 crawl jammers out there and people will collect them and they'll be on some rpg wiki and whatnot um and and that's that's freaking awesome and i just wanted to contribute and, and they'll have be in the museum is where they'll be yeah yeah you know <laughs> so it's it's really i wanted to write something that was more my personality that 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 was kind of like my view of the game and just contribute and then i decided to self-publish which made the whole thing drag on for a couple of years but that's another story <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um yeah i started i actually have been i guess self-publishing the longest because i started self-publishing mini comics about 10 or 12 years ago oh wow and so I had this uh, little mini comics line called Mighty Men Comics, and I published um, Ninja Wolf, which was a story of a boy raised by ninjas and then subsequently raised by wolves. <laughs> that was pretty good. Uh, he teamed up with Squid Hunter, 
And uh, I also published a little mini comic called Baby versus PlayStation, which was about my son's birth and how uh, how that came about in the middle of me playing uh, Tony Hawk on the PlayStation. And then my wife went nice. to labor right there. Uh, so I've been publishing mini comics for a while. And then when I kind of stepped away from comics in 2013, 2014, I, uh, I decided that I really wanted to just do more with role-playing games. And so I was doing things on my own. I was running my own games anyway. And so I, I just said, well, why don't I just put a zine together? Because I was already in the habit of kind of putting my own things together periodically and selling it to my friends. So I did the first issue of Crawl Jammer, and the, the bold move that I made was to immediately sell it as a six-issue subscription. Mm. So I forced myself to produce future issues because people had already paid me money up front to get five more issues of Crawl Jammer. So I just formatted it on Microsoft Word. I just threw it out there in the world, and I said, here's, here's my stuff. Um, and then I actually pretty much stuck to a monthly schedule for at least the first four issues. But what surprised me about it, I expected to sell like 15 to 20 copies. That was my, my plan was a few other weirdos on G plus were probably going to check it out. And those were like my kindred spirits. And um, I ended up having such a overwhelmingly favorable reception to it that all of these people came out of the woodwork and said they wanted to write for it. They wanted to draw for it. Matt Hildebrand said he wants to do layout for it for free. And so it ended up becoming this much bigger production than I ever intended it to be. And, and really, it just kind of took off on its own. So that was that was the really cool part, is that it, it gained a life of its own in a way that, obviously, my mini-comics things never did, because you never heard about those. Uh, those ended up, right. who knows where, in, in art comics warehouses somewhere. Uh, but yeah, so that's how I got started. And I, one of the reasons I wanted to put my stuff out there was I actually wanted to put my stuff out there so that my hobby could be, instead of writing about comics, could be writing role-playing game content as a freelancer. Mm -hmm. I, I planned on also doing some freelance work. Uh, what I found was that the freelance work tends not to be as satisfying as the self-publishing thing, mm. which I did not expect at all. That's interesting. Yes. <laughs> I, I guess like the whole like pay-for-work thing bugs me a little bit, um, and I've done a very small amount of it. Uh, I just I'm not as interesting as write, interested in writing what someone else wants me to write as I am in the thing I got really excited about, you know. With this yep. is why I self-publish rather than like try to sell the shit that I that I've written to someone else. Like why I ah, I want to own it, you know. I don't want it to be someone else's stuff. That's that's a part of it. Um, one of the things I'm working on right now with the Kickassistan Ministry of Tourism is doing something similar to what James Raggi does. Did another shout out to James Raggi, um, like which involves like creator ownership, which is a comic book trend, <laughs> right from the '90s with yeah. the you know image. That's why image was supposed to be you know worth paying attention to. Is that you know the the creators own their content. Mm. Um, I think that's important, you know. And if you look at the way that like even small publishers who do work for hire, even the way that they uh, you know they contract work. It's it's work for hire. You are writing this for me. When I when you are done writing this, it is it is mine. You know, and I think that's kind of unfortunate because that that keeps you know the owner or the writer, the creator of the thing. Uh, they're they're not the owner of it anymore. So now you know what if you know five yeah. years from now I want to revisit something I wrote for someone else. What if five years from now I want to go back to that room in Hypercube of Might and be like, hey, this is the thing. This is how it works. You know, yep. uh, like. Uh, I I I can do that all I want, but it's no there's no way I could publish that, you know. Uh, it also pays it pays so much less than you would think comparatively. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So if you put in the hours, uh, if you write a thing that's ten thousand words, 
you might make a couple hundred bucks. If you put out something that's 10,000 words and if you just sell it in PDF form on one bookshelf, over the course of the year, you're probably going to make at least that much money back and then it still is on one bookshelf for the rest of your life and so right. years down the road you're still getting a couple bucks a month. So you're still you're make there I I can't imagine a scenario where anyone who has you know even like 50 fans can't make more money just publishing PDFs on one bookshelf than they can writing for three cents a, a word for for an RPG publisher. It's yeah, just no you just make more money, and it's not a lot of money either way. Right. But you're giving up the rights and you're making less money. That's yeah. that's the downside. So, but that's the direction I'm moving more towards is like licensing. You know, license I'll license the writing rather than you know buy it because I want the creator to own the work that they. Mm they produced you know so i'll license it for a period of time like right now i'm working on a project with Corey gosman or dm kojo uh as some of nice. you might know him and we're working on a project with uh cory and his son uh chase you guys might have remembered a little while ago they did a they submitted a monster to um uh spellburn mm-hmm. and it was their you know D- dungeon denizen of the month or whatever yep. um we're doing a whole monster book you know of monsters that awesome. chase has invented and drawn and Corey's given him stats and you know so i i need those guys to retain rights to it if i don't i feel like 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 i i have no rights to that shit like what <laughs> you know like i <laughs> yeah. I, I don't I, I didn't make that stuff up like why why should i as a publisher have rights to that stuff it doesn't make sense i mean but it does in a traditional publishing sense it doesn't in the whole like you know, indie, you know, do it yourself punk scene that, you know, a lot of us come out of, you know, like, like we, we should own this stuff because we're the guys who made it. That's, that's how I tend to feel about it. If I can shout out to DM Kojo for a minute, DM Kojo of, of all of the contributors to crawl jammer, DM Kojo sent the best first draft submission. Like his stuff was ready to roll. He sent the stuff that I didn't have to like change anything. I didn't have to fix anything up. That guy's a pro. But he's so like, I would like to see him the thing write that, more stuff. The thing that I, I, I love about that too. To write more. Yeah, he's like he's totally like self conscious about it too. He's like, uh, yeah. if this is good enough, you know, like, dude, you just no. you knocked it out of the park on the first go. I don't know yeah, what like, you're worried about. This is perfect. Let's. That's do it. why I wanted to say it publicly. He's ready. He's ready for bigger. Yes, he he's ready for prime for time, sure. folks. So uh, keep an eye out. <laughs> he's doing a monster book soon. Um, well, after this podcast, I'm, he'll I, know how to self publish, right? So it's all. That's right. Yeah. So he doesn't need me. There you go. We haven't written, we haven't signed anything, so he could do that, you know, and I'd be cool with that. I wouldn't mind. I, that's, that's the whole take I've been taking on it is like, let's make sure that creators continue to own stuff. And it's easy when you're the guy making the thing and publishing it and doing all of that. It's really hard when you're working for another small publisher, but I mean, I guess we're talking about self-publishing rather than small publishing, right? So are you guys, are you, are you guys, um, like artists, are you doing all your own art? Are you, uh, commissioning art? Are you getting, how are you doing the art? part of it i did all the let, uh i did Tim. all the art for the first issue of crawl jammer because i it was my plan was to do all the articles and all the art for every issue mm. but since so many people came out of the woodwork and then i had other friends who were artists and i was like hey do you want to kind of play around in the sandbox and so uh, everybody has volunteered to do this daniel bishop is currently writing the second part of the weird worm ways of Saturn. He's doing that for free just because he wants to support crawl jammer and get that out there. Mm. So, uh, you know, it's another reason why I don't want to make any money on this because, uh, I, I it's just kind of like a fan fun project yeah. right now. And I feel like, I feel like I'm close to wanting to take the next step where, and I mentioned this on my blog where I want to do like a crawl jammer book. Mm-hmm. And once I get to that point, 
but I'm reluctant to get to that point because once I get to that point, then I want to pay people. Yeah. And then it becomes, it's never going to make enough money to pay the people what they're worth. And that's the problem. Yeah. That's the issue. That's the problem with the whole RPG industry is like, is, yeah. <laughs> you know, like the amount of time and skill. Like here's that it takes $10 to do for your illustration. Yeah. yeah. It's not worth it. Yeah. Anybody who doesn't understand yeah. that needs to just talk to Doug Kovacs for about five minutes and uh, they'll, <laughs> yeah. they'll hear the lecture that he's got to give about how much RPG artists are paid. And it's, yep. It's sad. It's nothing. Yeah. No. Bummer. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It is. Self-publishing is a small amount of bummer. Okay, so I want to answer what, what Steven said uh, or asked about like having artists doing stuff uh, yeah. or do you do all the art yourself? I'm I'm starting to do art myself. Like mm. I didn't trust myself in the in the beginning to get to do any art. Um like I you know, that was a a big way that I got into RPGs in the first place was art. Um but yet I never trusted myself to do any to definitely not to publish any of my own art. Right. And now I'm I'm finally getting to the point where I'm like, yeah, yeah, my stuff's not so bad. I could totally go in there. In fact, right now like all of the art that's ready to go for Nova Scream is mine. Ah. You know, um and there's a couple other folks who are slated to produce something for it, but not, you know, they're folks either like I are I like play games with or I've already produced something with or, you know, maybe a combination of both. Like Wayne's going to do a piece for it. Um, Wayne, having Wayne Snyder in my uh, uh, stable of awesome people I talk to on a routine basis was a huge boon in trying to get art for anything. Um, he's done all the art of every issue of of Metal God so far, and with good reason, he's fantastic. You yeah, know, he yeah. he yep. his style is exactly what I want. You know, pretty much all of the time. Wayne, I'm 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 happy to count one of my favorite RPG artists as a good friend. You know. Uh, I love it. I love it. Um, but Tim, you've had some fantastic artists in your in your stable. Uh, yeah. I mean, I never would have heard of Fred Daly if it wasn't for you, man. Like you, you, no. you brought he's, Fred he's, to the scene. And not only that, I mean, he just keeps getting better, which is he astonishing. Dude. So I, I did the first issue art, and actually, if I could back it up for just a second, uh-huh. one of the things I forgot to mention was. That first issue started with the art. I drew the art before I wrote anything. So I actually <laughs> just was goofing around with drawings and ideas and even like the cosmology of Crawljammer. And so I started with all those illustrations. Even the map for the first adventure in the first issue, I had the idea that, I, oh, let me try like a Doug Kovac style map. And that was the best I could do. But it started with that. And that's the impetus for what became the full issue. And then when I wrote everything around all those drawings, it ended up being like 36 pages long. Um, but once I started getting artists who were, who were way better than me to be interested in contributing to crawl jam, <laughs> then, then I said, well, okay, I can focus on the writing, but I do, I do miss drawing. Uh, but there's less, I am kind of intimidated because I can't draw as well as, as Fred Daly no, or yeah. as Matt Hildebrand or Sarah Richardson or Wayne Snyder. I've, I recruited Wayne Snyder into the project. And so, yeah, these artists are, are doing a great job. And what's cool about it is that I, if I do a Crawl Jammer book, I would like to have those very artists work on it and right. I would like to pay them. I don't need to go outside and recruit different people. I just need to pay them what they're worth. But, you know, that's, that's there, the trick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I think realistically, for a, for a self publisher, you know, that's where something like Kickstarter comes into play. When you finally yep. like are at the point where um, I need to pay people what they're worth, that's where we need to consider this stuff. You know, I mean, until yeah. then, 
like realistically for me, pre-orders and shit like that work out great. Um, you know, like I, I, uh, Gumroad has an awesome pre-order system that mm-hmm. I used for Black Sun Deathcrawl's second printing. Um, and uh, while there were some hitches with that that I wasn't anticipating, the uh, the none of them were about getting paid, which was pretty phenomenal. So yeah, I think that's been the biggest uh, the biggest sort of evolution in you know doing everything myself at the at the beginning. It's like you know, like I said, my maps were horrible, so so now basically being able to soak in the royalties that I've gotten from previous things and paying. You know, like Jeffrey to do the maps. Jeffrey Tadlock does the maps of my stuff now, and and uh, you know Reba, who's who just did all the new art for the frog stuff that we were talking about. You know, she right. she does an amazing job. But that I didn't have any of those resources when I first started this thing out. Yeah. So that's been and that's okay, right? I mean, that's part of the growing process as a as a publisher. You know, that it's you know it's not like you're you're deciding to publish crap it's like these are the resources that i'm working with i'm sorry i did not mean to say that your stuff was crap. that's not what i meant but you know what i mean like like you, you know from humble beginnings right i mean yeah um, you know and it's and not it, like it, it's a different i mean i look at i look at this the, the early stuff and i'm sure everybody does like oh god i wouldn't do that again but you know it is what it is yeah but but isn't that the stuff that that's so much more interesting to us yeah. because i would much rather if if no other D and D books existed except the O D and D little brown books, right? Like that's the kind of stuff I like. As as terrible as that art is, I love that. Everything it's... from second edition on is is oh. just not my style. I yeah. hate it. I really don't think that it captures what I love about the game. And so yeah, they improved. They uh, higher production value, better better quote unquote better artists, but it becomes far less interesting. I think it's about authenticity in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, and there's something about like somebody just deciding to do something out of the love for doing the thing that, you know, is so much more authentic than somebody doing it because they're going to make a paycheck. Now, somebody right. getting paid for doing a thing they love is different, you know. Um, right. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> the little guy's getting really interesting in this, interested in this conversation here. Uh, That's awesome. So, uh, you know, future RPG artist right here or something. I don't know. We'll, we'll, send you, we'll, have, we'll have Uncle Doug teach you how to paint and it'll be good. Uh, nice. His, his uh, Doug has assumed the mantle of punk father. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So anyway, um, that I folks who I mean, those are the folks I want to see make money or at all. You know, make anything like what their contri- contribution is worth. Right. Are the right. folks who you know like like have a passion for whatever it was. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I think that like the, 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 the reason I, that's the reason I asked about it. I think that's the you know, it's one thing for me to have a passion project and invent, invest those kind of hours. But, you know, I, I feel bad, you know, based on the economics that we talked about earlier. It's like I would love to pay the artists more. But then when they see the sad reality of about how much you get per page, you know, for a black and white print, I think it's a, a sobering conversation for them. But, you know, as you get further into the process, and I th- and I, I do agree with you, I think Kickstarter would be, like I said, I haven't done it yet because I, you know, I do not want to be on Eric Tenker's blog when my Kickstarter goes wrong. You know? um, but that would, that's, I, I think that's about the only time I'd want to use something like that. Yeah. Don, you've been really quiet this whole time. That is a trend that will not be changing in season two. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, you guys, uh, you guys are actually hitting all the questions I had jotted down. Like I have this big thing about art. It's just you know the stuff that naturally comes out of the discussion is yeah. is what I learned in my non-existent journalism class I took over the summer. <laughs> Am I even talking or just slurring? No, you're kind of both. It's good. All right, cool. I'm, all right, good. I'm I'm pretty sure I'm slurring too. It's I'm not worried about it. It's good. <laughs> Also a trend that will not be changing in season two. Slurring. Yes. Slurring. Episode, the We're... Se- episode point two of whatever is going to be messier than episode point one. So that's just, that's how it goes. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I think we've, we've, we've I don't want to say we've covered all the bases because there's no way you can cover all these bases. No. There's always new stuff. There's always a yelling baby in my face. No, um, there's always new stuff. There's always, you know, um, there's things are always changing. Um, like we don't have any idea how this, I mean, we think all of us hope that the whole OBS thing ends up not being a big deal, you know? Right. But everything could change. There could be somebody like, I know Raggi's called for, you know, another option, you know, as, as well. And that could be changing tomorrow. Who knows? Who knows? Well, I think that I think that is ripe for disruption. Whenever you you see something like that, you know, I, and I've been really happy, you know, with with drive through and all that. So I have yeah. nothing to complain about. But when you look at it, it's like, hmm, there's a natural monopoly here, and you know, it's like you've got any number like you were talking about the the company you're using now, and yeah. something like Amazon or anyone who makes it easier for a publisher or you know more visibility or better margins or something like that. I I, I would keep an eye on that. Okay, because I got I got I, I If I said we're about done, I wouldn't be really trimming the episode short because uh, no. we've been going on for 45, 40 minutes longer than I thought we were going to, but we started late. So um, I do want to get to uh, the. <laughs> I want to get this baby to quiet down. Uh, I mm. want to get to the lightning round question that's going to finish out our episode. Uh, oh yeah. And, and here here it is for our 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 panel. We're going to start with Steven because he asked. He talked last, and I, I like hearing his voice. Uh, Steven. Sir. Print. Oh, sorry. PDF for free with a print product or extra charge? Uh, if I could figure out a way to make that happen, I would do the former. I would actually give it away with my print product, um, but just because it's different distributors distributors versus one bookshelf. But, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of that. Okay. Tim. I have the same answer as your baby. <laughs> Howl? <laughs> cry, cry? No, I, I have the same answer as Stephen. I, I would love to give it away. In fact, I I did give it away for anybody who subscribed. I just I just linked them to my, my uh, Dropbox folder that had all the PDFs in it. Uh, but I don't have a way to connect them to my one bookshelf account. So if anybody has ever bought anything from me, and wants to shoot me an email and say, hey, I would like a PDF of it. I will send you a PDF. I do not care. I would love you to have my product uh, available in all formats. But it's just kind of a, a weird uh, disconnect between the one bookshelf account and my own blog. Mm-hmm. Uh, done. I'm going to expect that you're going to continue this trend. Yeah, if you buy something in print, the PDF should be free. Okay, Publishers, I, I agree with these guys clearly. Otherwise, I wouldn't ask the question if I didn't have an opinion already, right? <laughs> uh, I do think there are ways to do the things that these guys are suggesting. Uh, I, do, I think it's it's uh, it, it's an ethical way to move forward. Someone who buys something in print, 
give it to them in PDF as well. Yeah, sure, you can make a couple extra bucks, but it's really, in my opinion, it's actually kind of sleazy. Why shouldn't they already have access to a thing that they've published in print? Um, and and that is actually something that I'm working on uh, doing in you know like across the board with with every product and right now you know if you buy stuff from me from gumroad you're always going to get you know the file along with the product uh i think there might be ways to do it in via rpg now with like you know publisher comps and stuff like that um but i'm 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 i haven't looked into too much of that uh so i'm trying to figure out other ways with like you know coupons for shit and you know things like that but you should have your your listeners write in with their ideas on how to make that if they've they've... absolutely uh you gorgeous listeners let us know how to do it and at the same time i think it's worthwhile to demand that of your favorite publishers you know like ask that from your publisher the publishers you like um because i think that that you know that can be a sea change moment you know when we see that as being standard because i think it deserves to be standard you know you you the game consuming public deserve that as you know just the de facto way things work i feel yeah all right i agree all right beautiful yeah this is the only time we've all agreed on a on the <laughs> my lightning round third rail question so true. amazingly enough we'll, we're going to take it out on that note of agreement Rather than disagreement, which I like so much, uh, <laughs> Stephen Newton, thank you so much for joining us. It's nice to be actually uh, actually have a chance to talk to you rather than like having to talk around somebody else. Uh, <laughs> Always a pleasure, man. Tim, <laughs> Tim, you're like our third amigo, and it's so good to have yeah. you back on the show. Uh, it's great to be here. Thank- I-, I missed you guys. We missed you so much. It's like I realized there was like a like a couple of months ago. I realized I haven't talked to Tim Callahan in a while, and it was like there was something a, a void in my yeah. life that was you. I felt it. Yeah, did you? Okay. Uh, yep. Don Stroud, I'm so happy yeah. to be back co-hosting a show with uh, you. Uh, this is great. Yeah. Hopefully next time we don't have a holiday a- baby and it works out better. <laughs> I had a great time tonight. Um, I love I love sharing time with our special guests and our gorgeous listeners who should really write in. Just contact us. I, we want to hear from you. We do. I love hearing we from do. listeners. We really do. I want, yeah, I want to see some, uh, uh, you know, some interaction. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all very much. Have a wonderful evening. Uh, adios, you gorgeous listeners. Good night to our beautiful guests, our I've never called our guests an adjective, so that's good. And uh, good night, Don, my lovely co-host. Everybody have a good night. Good night, Adios. everybody. Uh, later. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Drink, Spin, Run. If you like what you've heard, share us with your friends, leave us an iTunes review, or email us at dsr at kickassistan.net. You can also support us at patreon.com slash dsrcast. Our theme music was generously provided by the band Blue Snaggletooth, who you can find at bluesnaggletooth.bandcamp.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we hope you join us next time, you gorgeous listeners. 